Do you know what the best class in school is? Best class? Nah, it's the class your teacher forgets is on. Yeah? You know that one where you kind of you kind of duck down out front of the classroom so none of the other teachers notice yet that your teacher's forgotten? Oh, classic. A lava cheeky bludge period when your teacher forgets the class is on. So quick pop quiz. What's the quickest way then to get most hated by your class? Yeah, you're the person that goes off and gets the teacher. You get some greasy, icy stares coming back from that. I'm guessing, not that I would have ever done something like that when I was at school, I'm just guessing. But it got me thinking, what's the one thing you can do to get most hated at school? How about, you, how about when you pop your hand up and you go, Miss, you've got to check the homework. Hate that, because we haven't done it. And some guy, last minute, puts his hand up says, we haven't checked the homework. Or how about the person, get this, who gets listening to music banned from class? So they ruin it for everyone. Oh, that was the worst. That used to happen all the time in my math class. But what would you say about someone who lives as a Christian at school? Does being a Christian get you hated at school? So maybe hate's a strong word, but think about it. Don't you reckon Christians more often than not get labelled losers? Or um, aren't Christians often those people that get most excluded out of groups or miss the invite? Or what about when a Christian tells people what they believe? That's really, um, that is really a God up there and that um, it matters how we live. Those kind of views often get labelled like, like stupid or bigoted. This might not be hate, guys, but I reckon it's pretty close. So why would anyone want to be a Christian if that's the treatment Christians get? But despite all that, Christians are still sticking around, they're not scared off. And in the passage tonight, people become Christians even when discussing Jesus caused riots, as we heard last week. And that's because the gospel message is powerful. The gospel message about Jesus is powerful. It persuades people who could get killed or jailed for what they believe to live it out even more strongly. So there has to be something about this message that's really powerful. And good news, that's the answer in our passage tonight. And the big question I want to ask is, why is this gospel message so powerful? This is important to think about because it will either show that Christians are fools and being convinced that Jesus is God when really He isn't, or... People who aren't listening to the Christian message, they'll be shown to be the fools for not listening and that they've missed something huge. So I want to do a good job of this as I explain it. So I'm going to ask God now that he help, might help me speak clearly and truthfully so that we might understand these really important things. So why don't you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would um, help me to speak the truth, uh, help me to speak clearly and explain what your word wants us to hear. I pray that we might be challenged by your words, that we might accept these words and that we might hear from you, our God who created us. Amen. Did you guys ever buy these power balance bands? Do you know these things? Did you, were you guys around when these things were happening? Now, these were things that you wore on your wrist and the commercials, the adverts told me that, and I have to read this out, using holographic technology that resonates with the body's natural energy fields, apparently it increases your strength by 500%. <laughs> Sounds real legit, hey? That means if I tried to bench press 80 kilos without this band, not a chance. 
But if I put on the band and try to bench 80 kilos, still not a chance because I suck. But I'd have a better chance of benching 80 kilos. Thousands of people bought these things. It was amazing. Celebrities started endorsing them. Still cricketers and a bunch of other people wearing them. And they claimed all this technology was based in science. Well, one day science wrote back and said, uh, no, not at all. None of this is true. It's all just fake. Turns out the only benefit for these things was it kind of looks like the charity bands, so it kind of seems like you're a nice guy, but really, they're just a piece of junk. But get this, I went online today and they're still selling these bands. So that tells me that people are actually still buying them. That's how persuasive the message about these increasing your strength was. That's how powerful the advertising was. And it's fooling people. But you know what? I reckon some people see Christianity as a bit of a scam like that. And the people that believe it are just suckers who have been fooled as well. Tricked with persuasive words or stuff that just makes you feel good. Or maybe Christianity is just this brainwashing thing that overcomes people to believe. And that's not how people come to believe in Jesus, guys. And that's not what convinced the people in the passage tonight to change their lives either. Sneaky advertising isn't the power of the Christian message. It's powerful because, first up, it's a powerfully pure message. It's not a well-disguised lie. It's actually really honest and straight to the point. There's no trick. And take a look at verse 3 in our passage tonight and you'll see. Chapter 2, verse 3, it says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. So we collect a couple of things here. First, you read that there's no error in their message. So these guys haven't got the story wrong. And that kind of makes sense because Paul is the guy who actually saw the resurrected Jesus from the dead. So when he tells that story, I don't think he's going to get it wrong. He's going to tell the truth. But we get more. The second thing it says in verse 3 is, their message doesn't have impure motives either. Now, do you guys know what impure motives are? That's when you offer the last Tim Tam in the pack to someone. You know, you've got a group of people, there's one Tim Tam, like, do you want it? When really, you're only asking them because you want that last Tim Tam. That's really what's going on. Because that's an impure motive. It's actually you that wants that last Tim Tam. But here, Paul has nothing to gain in asking them to believe in Jesus. In fact, he's actually got stuff to lose. Take a a skip back to verse 2, the one before this one, and you'll see what Paul has to lose. He says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. To give you an update of what he's talking about, the last place they went before they got to Thessalonia and told them about Jesus was they were in Philippi and they got thrown into jail. Why? For sharing the gospel message. And that's the same thing they're now continuing to do in Thessalonica. Keep reading now along in verse 2. So, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Paul and his mates continue to do the same thing that just got them thrown in prison. Now, I've never picked up anyone from prison, but I imagine when they finally get out, the first thing they say is, geez, I'd love to go back. But that's what these guys have signed up for again. If it meant more people would get to hear this pure and powerful message, they didn't care if they went back to jail. 
So it doesn't surprise me that Paul says in verse 3, nor are we trying to trick you. This would be a very costly trick just to fool people into agreeing with him. What's more likely is Paul isn't tricking them but telling them the truth, a truth that's worth sacrificing their freedom for, a message worth imprisonment. That must be a hugely important message and we understand why in verse 4. Take a look. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. That's saying these guys have been given the tick of approval from God, trusted and given the responsibility to bring the gospel to these people, the Thessalonians. And it's a good choice by God because they aren't going to change or sugarcoat the truth of the message. Have a look at verse 5. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. And in verse 6, we were not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else. So these guys were actually like that friend that's a little bit too honest, right? You show them your macaroni picture frame that you made in craft, and you ask them what they think, and they just tell you, it looks like garbage. A mum would struggle to put this on the fridge and love it. These guys are being deadly hurtfully, truthfully honest. They're shooting real, honest, legit truth bullets. They're not sugarcoating everything. And that's this super clear and pure message. So what was this message? Well, we actually get a sense of it a bit later on, and I brought the verse up from chapter 5, verses 9 to 10. We get a sense of what this message is. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, may, we may live together with Him. The powerful message is, Jesus died for us. Without Him, we're all destined for God's wrath, lost. But if we're living for Jesus, in life and death, we will never be separated from God. Living, uh, instead, we'll live on into eternity. That message is life-changing. And you can see how that would transform people's lives, no matter what the cost. And because of the rock-solid clarity of the Bible, Christians through the centuries have heard this stuff and got behind this message, no matter the trouble or the pain it was going to cause them. It's a powerfully pure message. So that means a couple of things for us, guys. The first is, the Christian message isn't weak. It doesn't rely on weird voodoo or brainwashing to get people to believe. Now, it's not sugar-coated self-help that makes people feel good and want to believe it. No, when it was first picked up and lived by, by Christians, it's because it was truth that was bulletproof. And its message was so important, it was worth, worth risking their lives for it. And this also means, if you haven't listened to this message from the Bible, your Christian friends, or the people teaching you the Bible up the front, you could be making a big mistake. And the second thing when it comes to listening to the Christian message I want you guys to see is we can actually trust the Bible because the guys who recorded this message suffered for spreading it. They got hated, imprisoned, beaten up because the truth was confronting and it threatened to shake up the people that they said it to, shake up their lives and shake up their systems. You see, they weren't looking to please people, they were delivering an unchanged message. So you can trust the Bible to know God over all else. And you can actually test everything else against the Bible. Like your gut feeling about who you think God is, you can actually trust the Bible to tell you 
better about God than that. When your wacky spiritual aunt tells you about who God really is, that's cool, but you can know that you can trust it up against the Bible as the authority. And what I tell you about God, you need to also go back to the Bible and and test, am I really saying what the Bible says? And listen to what it says more than me. You see, guys, above all things, you can trust the Bible is a true message about God and His Son, Jesus. So you're starting to see now why the Christian message is so powerful. It's a powerfully pure message. But I reckon there's another reason why it's so powerful, and that's because the message is written on their lives. Now, do you guys know what Airbnb is? Yeah? Has anyone ever stayed in an Airbnb? It's really weird. People offer up their own homes for you to come and stay in. Now, me, Luke, and a couple of mates, we recently rented a guy's house, a complete stranger, hadn't met him before. But like us, I bet... Now, you see, you can learn a lot about a person by looking at their house, and I've got a little video of this guy's house. I want you to tell me what you reckon this guy lives for. Take a look at his house. That's four pandas. Five, six, seven. That's dark panda. Eight, nine, ten. It's a panda curtain. So many pandas. Chick, ram chicken, and an elephant. <laughs> I reckon that was like a quarter of them. Man, that guy loved pandas. But you can see what that guy lives for because it's in every corner of his life, in every corner of his house. So do you see... I reckon the way we live our lives can actually be a powerful window into showing what we love and what we're all about. And they can also show us when we're not being legit. Like when a mate tells you they're all about the gym, but then you never ever see him breaking a sweat, and instead of punching out push-ups, you see him punching out party pies. You know that sort of friend? And whenever the beef test comes up, that, kid, that guy drops out before the kid with double inhalers kind of running along, just doing his best. Yeah, those sorts of people are all talk because you can see it written on their lives. Because our lives are actually powerful windows into what's, what we're really about and who we are and what we love. For Paul and his mates, they were on about the gospel message and you could see how good the gospel message was in the way they lived out their lives. Or if you've still got your passage open, pick it up in verse 7 and you'll see it. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children... So we cared for you. That's saying these guys accepted strangers like family, like mothers teaching their young kids the right way to live. That's super nice, but it goes on. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Wow. These guys really love the people they talk to, enough to share the saving news of the gospel, but Um, That would even get them killed if they got found out. And further, they shared with these people their lives. They spent quality time with them. They lived among them. You see, these guys weren't like 
dodgy door-to-door salesman, you know, looking to butter you up, sell you cheap junk, and then disappear with your money once they've got what what they wanted. These guys actually wanted the Thessalonians to hear and understand the gospel message and grow in it. They were in it for the Thessalonians, not themselves, because of a genuine love. And you get more evidence of that in verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. This is pointing out that when these guys arrived in town, they could have just crashed on someone's couch, ate someone else's food and let them support them while they go around and tell people the gospel. But no, that's not what they did. You see, they didn't want to be seen taking anything from anyone because it was so important that they wanted people to see clearly they had not come to, they had not come to take something but give them something. The good news about the Saviour Jesus. They were sold out for the gospel. They gave everything they had and asked for nothing. It's not surprising then that people got captured by this gospel message written so clearly on their lives. So what does this tell us Aussies living on the coast right now? Well, first up, Christians living amongst non-Christians is actually a really powerful witness. Now, do you guys know what a witness is? It's, it's someone that comes before court and gives an account of the events that happen. You see, I reckon when Christians live like Christians amongst their mates who aren't, it's actually a really powerful witness to what the gospel is all about. The love Christ has shown us in sacrificing himself for us can be reflected in the way we make sacrifices for others and love the people around them in, in turn. This can really have an impact on communities around Christians and show them what the Christian message is all about. But secondly... It shows us that living out the message is actually loving others. This is a really short and simple point, and you guys probably know this already, but if you really want to hold out the gospel message, you have to live it out by loving people, loving others like family, sharing life together, and making sacrifices to reach people. If you're a Christian, you've got to be on about love. It's very simple. And thirdly, if you're a Christian living out uh, what you believe then non-Christians can judge Christianity by your actions. Is what Christians believe even legit? We'll take a look at a Christian's life. Are they sold out for Jesus and telling you about it? Or are they not? If you aren't a Christian, I want to challenge you tonight, why don't you go out there and spend some time with a group of Christians to see what the Christian message is all about. It could be a good way to check out um, who Jesus is and if it's worth pursuing. But I've got one more big reason before I finish up to show you why this gospel message is so powerful and how it changed people's lives. And it's the biggest one. It's because it's sent from God, about God, with the help of God. I'll show you what I mean. Take a look at all the mentions of God and what He's doing in this passage. Verse 2. We have previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you His gospel. So this first mention of God is that He helped them along the way to tell the message. That's pretty cool. It wasn't through their own strength that they did it. But here's another mention of God in verse 4. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So God in this one, uh, so God actually is the one who sent the messengers as well with the message. 
and has actually checked to see whether these messengers are any good at their job. Have a look at verse 5. We get another mention of God. God is our witness. So God is the one watching over the entire process of the message going through. And finally, another mention of God in verse 8. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God. The message is about God. It's the good news of God. That's why people believe what these strange dudes said when they rolled into town. Because it wasn't their own message and it wasn't passed on by their own strength. It was a message sent from God, about God, told with the help of God. That's a message you can't ignore. It's not like a a really, really relentless uh, Facebook group chat that you have to put on silent or you have to turn off the notifications because it's relentless. This message is not like that. It's more like paper mail that you receive from the Queen of England in her own hand, right? And they got delivered by secret service agents making sure it gets every step of the way. And the Queen's at home watching it all on the video, making sure the message gets delivered carefully. The message of the gospel is delivered just like that because God is behind it at every step. And we can recognize the importance of that message by who sent it. That's what it's like when we receive the good news about Jesus. It's not from an unimportant source that we can ignore. These verses tell us it's from the creator of the universe. Carried by men, picked and approved by God. With God watching and helping deliver that message. That's why it's so powerful. It's because God is behind it all from start to finish. And that's why the Thessalonians were transformed by it in just a few short weeks. Not to mention that God was working mysteriously through His Spirit doing it all. He was changing them from the inside out. This, is the, this message had such an impact because God was behind the whole thing. So that means two big things for us. The first is don't be surprised if the gospel offends you or others. It's a powerful message, but ultimately one that's asking people to change. Stop living your life your way and make your life about following your King Jesus because your Creator says so. That's big. That's confronting. That's a message that's going to cause offence. So I'm not surprised by the riots that happened in this story when they told the message. And wouldn't be surprised if you or your mates um, get offended by the Christian message. That's what we would expect from a powerful message from a powerful God. So when you feel yourself being challenged by the Bible or you see your mates being put off by it, that just means it's doing what it's meant to be doing. It's getting people to stop in their tracks and change. And changing your life is hard and scary. But changing your life to live for Jesus is the best possible decision you can make for your life now and the life to come. So make that decision now. Become a Christian or make the decision to look into it more, even if it's asking you to change. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can get along to Jesus Uncut that was talked about. You can talk more with your leaders and really figure out who Jesus is. But... You can also just get along to youth every week and discover more and more what the Bible's telling us about God. But if you are someone who has already made that decision to follow Jesus, and like him you want to see people saved, then understand this, point two, Christians can have confidence to share the gospel. This is a message from God, powered by God. 
So you don't have to rely on your smarts or your power to convince people. You need to do a good job of holding out that same message God entrusts Paul with, using the Bible's words with clarity to explain how Jesus coming into the world and dying for our sake is life-changing. And remember, you're not alone as you do it, nor do you have a weak message. God is behind you. In the end, this is why the Thessalonian people believed in Jesus, even though it meant being pushed around by the people in the community they lived in. In the end, that's why the message of Jesus hasn't died out when kings, queens, tyrants and societies have said Christians are evil, dumb or deluded. In the end, that's why the message of Jesus keeps on ringing out true, because the message comes to us clearly in the Bible through people like Paul. And Paul doesn't bring a human message like live this way, live this way because it's good. He brings a message from God about Jesus, who has come into the world to show us God's love and the way not to perish when we die, but live for eternity by living for his son Jesus. That's why if you don't already believe, you should. And why if you don't trust Jesus, oh sorry, if you do trust Jesus, you should trust him even more and share that powerful truth with others. So I'm going to pray now that that would be the case for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your message has come clearly and truthfully to us. We thank you for the words written down that we now see transformed people's lives back then in Thessalonica, but they also are transforming lives now here on the Central Coast. Uh, We pray that as we hear the message, it would be changing us and it would be challenging us to live bold lives for Jesus. And if we're not yet trusting in Jesus and we don't yet trust this message, would you help us to see what this message is all about and discover more? We pray that in all this, we would trust your word and we would trust its power to move people to come to know Jesus and be saved. In his name, amen.